0: All right, everybody. So today we have back on the podcast, Alberto Nunez. How you doing, man? Fantastic,
1: man. Yeah, no, life is life is all right, man, which is, is pretty good by today's
0: standards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking, you know, the uh, online coaching business hasn't been terribly affected, thankfully. Um, has it affected much in terms of your clients as far as like what they can do? I'm, I'm sure their workouts had to change quite a bit. Yeah, so I have to
1: take a crash course in that. Like, I, I look at the first uh, uh, set of instructions I, I gave people. Um, I wasn't really working with much, obviously. It's like, yeah. what do we have that is heavy? <laughs> so right. we were using whatever we could at times, you know, but um, but now it's to the point where it's like, yo, I'm, I'm, I picked up another skill this year, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so, right. But, uh, but the biggest thing has been the competition season, obviously. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, That's people... Tough. People started their preps, and and I'd say maybe fifty percent of them are were able to find the stage, or will be able to at this point. Wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I um I started dieting down in February, and not for a show, just to do it. And I got pretty lean. So I just finished two weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I got pretty lean. Um, and unfortunately, like annoyingly, food focused. You know, all, all the stereotypical stuff. Um, but I was thinking when I was hearing about those contests, like, man, like this sucks for me right now. But imagine if you are like full on contest prep, going through all of that, especially if it's like your first show or something. And then this happens like that. I mean, that could be enough to just drive people away. And for some people, you know, if they just, maybe they would have caught the bug if they got on stage, but then that was just enough to kind of kick them out of it. Yeah, man. Um, actually we just, just speaking about, about Houston.
1: So yeah, um, mention her cause, uh, uh, she's she probably she likes these things, but uh, but yeah, I had this uh, one young lady in Houston who uh, was just absolutely like steam, like rolling through her first prep, and and then all of this happened. And initially, I was like, you know what, you're spoiled because most first preps don't go this way. Right. you, know, right. you This is this has been automatic, and we've been in control. Everything we said we we're going to do, it's been happening. And then this happens, and we we had a like we had a little hiatus in the middle of the prep where it's like, all yeah. right, let's just regain a little bit of weight and then come back down. So uh, it went from like a you're spoiled first prep to you you've experienced some things that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a lot of vets have yet to. So yeah, um, so yeah, it's it's been well, we've all had to evolve and, and learn this year,
0: but um, but we're making we're making do, men, Yeah, one of the things I think you know, a lot of people found with this is because they were forced to do so much less, they found that, wow, like a lot of the muscle is still here. And, you know, that was one of the things that I think some people might think I'm kind of like a minimalist when it comes to training. And I'm really not like I've done some very high volume routines, but I've also found that I seem to progress or I, I historically I've seen to progress just fine on lower volumes. And especially when dieting, I just it just doesn't take that much. I mean, I literally kept, Almost, I would say 95% of my strength losing 20 plus pounds, 20, 25 pounds, and I was literally doing five to six work sets per muscle group per week. So, um, you know, measurements stayed good, strength was up there. And I know that's, that's pretty damn low, but, and other people were doing body weight stuff. Now, they weren't maybe in a, a severe deficit, but especially if you're not in a deficit, I mean, the amount that it requires to maintain most of your muscle versus really make progress. I think a lot of people discovered that during this time.
1: Yeah, um, you know, it was a moment for people to, you know, all those uh, principles that we talk about and those fundamentals, they're kind of abstract because many things, but it it had people, like, strip down the car and really figure out how things work and, and really trust those principles and to see them, like, play out and, hey, we did okay back that exclusively in the 20 to 30 rep range. Uh, yeah. Our volume you know, was dumped down to, you know, maintenance levels and, and I think it was really good for people to see that, hey, everything we talk about, everything we, we based our decisions around during more normal times, well, there's there it goes, man. Here's, here's your evidence. You get to actually experience it firsthand. So it's, it, I think, in high, like long term, I think it's going to make a whole lot of people a little... Uh, a little smarter they're gonna skip a
0: few grades because of this right right so i'm noticing the incredible hulk poster on the back there are you a marvel fan you know i had
1: a a a little stint so it was real good uh childhood years for me i think (laughs) through most of most of middle school um but you know you know how it goes those stories like they're they're long stories And, and to like really understand the marvel universe like i think you need you need to be there for a while. But I do appreciate Wolverine. He's kind of a blue-collar superhero. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was his first appearance. So, um, yeah, I remember when they took away his claws when Magneto
0: messed the dude up. Like yeah, yeah. I think it was like the mid-90s. <laughs> like, I, I nearly cried as a kid, man. Well, yeah, you say your childhood. I will embarrassingly admit that I'm still a full-on Marvel fanboy, as I think um, Eric Salazar and I have bonded over a few of the movies and... Uh, Still, still fanboy over here. So, <laughs> oh, I, I could appreciate that you guys are into it.
1: I, I love the fact that all the powers are kind of justified. It's like you know, it, it explains to you like from hey, a a scientific level why is it that, like so and so can do this. You know, who, why th- this power is this way and where they pull those powers from. So, right, right. <laughs> I was always a
0: kid that asked the why's. So that that helped out a lot. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to ask about as far as dieting down because this is something that I've always had. A struggle with is when you're—so most people, I would say, in the evidence-based fitness industry now talk about not always going to failure. Now, I'm probably more on the side of I like to push myself, and because I do such low volume, I think I can get away with it more. But I, there's certainly a lot of talk of not pushing to failure, keeping, you know, form. Obviously, I think we all agree of keeping form good. But when you're dieting, right, there's inherently going to be—for a lot of people, like there's some point where you lose a little bit of strength. And so I wanted to talk about the mentality of holding back, especially if you're losing strength, because just as an example here, like, let's say I'm just going in, I'm benching 250 for 10. And then, you know, you could say this bulking or cutting, maybe the next week, so maybe that was like a one RIR. Next week, you do 250 for 10. And you know, in your head, like, I can progress, technically progress Mm -hmm. by getting 11. But I have to go to failure to do it. Or worse, which is where I really have a hard time with, dieting, you get to 250 for nine, and now it's like, wait a minute, that's one RIR. Do you, you know, just kind of hold your ego back and say, well, I'm just going to stop at that nine and and lose strength, lose weight from last time, regress, or push harder and say, no, I got that 10, but really it was because you pushed harder. Um, I think for a lot of us who are very focused on progression, that could be hard to not try to at least match what you did. Yeah, that can be a double-edged sort of thing, man. Um, it's, so this is where
1: keeping track of some of your details and knowing what your trends look like more or less in the off-season, it's going to give you vital information once, once you are dieting because um, it's going to be fairly similar, uh, at least at first. It will gradually decline, but it's a gradual decline. But here's the thing, it's like in the off season, when you're well fed, you know, things happen much more predictably. You will still have those weeks, those days where you're like, oh, well, that kind of like disrupts the pattern I was trying to follow. The sequence uh, that that I was trying to map out on my way to, you know, a certain level of of performance. Um, And we just, you know, just take a water and move on. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, that's just kind of how it is when we're dieting. I think as soon as we see the first workout where something like that happens, sometimes even worse, uh, automatically it's like a, a, the sky is falling. Like yeah. we like we we we've lost muscle. When it's like, hey, you know what? Like maybe, especially given the circumstance, like your body is still on, in that loading screen. So, you know, you got you got to look at it as it it it's happening this way because of the stimulus you provided earlier, and we're still yeah. trying to come out of that hole. And if you dig a bigger hole with the limited resources you do have, energy-wise, uh, y- you can just make the situation a whole lot worse. So, yeah, yeah learning to not leave the pocket, man, that is, that is, that's a hard one.
0: I think um, what you just said is important where you said, you know, this is from the stimulus that we provided it and it kind of goes like the chicken versus egg thing and I think yeah. one way that you can kind of maybe justify it in your mind is, well, okay, so let's say you're in that situation and now instead of 10 you're at 9 and it's already 1 rir i think the first inclination like i said is hey i want to get 10 to match last time but another way to think about it is like look you've already lost that strength like yes on paper you might have gotten 10 again but if you already are at 1 rir you know at 9 reps mm-hmm even if you push to 10, you've already lost that strength compared to last week. You are you just didn't push harder last week. And so that's where I mean, again, it, it still sucks to kind of make that recognition, especially I mean, if you're in the middle of a set, you're probably not thinking all this out, you know, as you're going. But um, obviously, that's another point you could make is you got to have a plan going into it. Right. Mm-hmm, and not just mm-hmm. go with the you know, seat of your pants. Um, but yeah, just kind of realizing that like those adaptations have already occurred you know, up to that point. And now you just need to say, how can we minimize further damage of this cut? You know, and and in a lot of cases, that probably is accepting, hey, don't just kill yourself this workout, because then the next workout, you know, is going to respond to that stimulus. And that could be even worse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: And, you know, you never want to be caught with your pants down because you didn't work hard enough. Like, I think that's something that uh we all take pride in so it's it's a hard thing to balance and i think you have to be wrong a few times before you're actually and it's funny we can get to the point that we talk to ourselves mid-set it's funny how that is like things just slow down a lot right yeah right (laughs) um like all these moving parts just floating around your eyes but yeah yeah you you're wrong a few times and then finally you're like i'm gonna try a slightly different approach and you know you win sometimes with that and um Man, that's why I guess, like, yeah, nothing
0: teaches you like like experience, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, So, how do you find? I mean, you're you've been at this game at least as long as I have. So I'm about fifteen years in now. I think you're you're more than that now, right? It can drink now, man. Twenty one years. Twenty one years of, of, wow, of doing okay. this. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, from your standpoint, you're still trying to be competitive, and, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, even if we're not competing just mentally it's, it's very hard to imagine maintaining, like even if we know like there's not going to be a lot of progress, I think we have to push towards something. Not everybody's like that. Some people really can just put on the back burner and just say, look, I just go in, I do my maintenance workouts and that's it. Um, I guess I would, it's less of a question, more just a general statement on it, but how you feel about the idea that even though we know that like, you could probably maintain your physique right now, on two to three moderate volume workouts per week. I'm assuming you do a lot more than that. I don't know what your current workout routine is like, but I'm assuming you do. Um, Certainly a lot of people who are at your level still do, you know, five plus days a week. Is it the idea that you still believe you will make measurable progress or is it more that like you don't want to accept Truly just maintaining and your mentality is always to push forward if that distinction mm-hmm. makes sense
1: mm-hmm. man that's a loaded one man that's yeah. like the ultimate you've been a natty for over ten years question right, like, you know, right. Let's, let's let's sit down and be real for a sec um so you know I think one part that's kind of undervalued well, not not of your competitor I think you understand this well is that when you are dieting you're going to lose muscle so to me it's like there's so, always so much to master on that end. Uh, of the equation where it's like, you know what, if I keep more, it's like, it's technically gains, you know? Um, right. Right. Cause not just how much you gain, but how, how much can you keep? So we've, we've gotten better at that. And I think my last prep was the first prep where I, I can say that, you know what, I don't think I lost any muscle. Cause I, i never felt like I was one of those guys. Like, you know, some some people retain muscle really well. I'm just not one of those folks. But this last one was the closest thing to that. So now it's like, all right, work. But it was also one of my worst off seasons ever. So the thing is, mm-hmm. when you are kind of pushing near that ceiling, it's like you can take a step back because you just played around with a few things that, that didn't necessarily work for you. Yeah. So <sighs> approaching that end, I still – I just I can't go in there with any other mindset other than like, you know what, like I'm I got to be just as hungry because I do think that is one thing that guys lose with time. Um, yeah, especially when you have found some success when it's like, okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm competing at a relatively high level, I have the privilege of doing that. And, and then also, I've been able to, to some extent, um, make a living off like, like, my, my, uh, my attributes have definitely played a role in that. So, it's kind of easy, like, like, like that whole that whole Arnold uh, dialogue where it's like, hey, you know, the line at the top of the hill, right? Is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he, he can he can chill out too much if he's not careful, right. and I do think that happens. So, I try not to look at it from that perspective. but Maybe it's overly optimistic. I am a realist now. Like, if if, if I don't gain five pounds of muscle in a year, it's, it's you know, it's, you know I, I won't throw a fit. But at the same time, it's like you know what? There, there is there's still so much to gain. And even if it isn't at a physical level, um, this also satisfies that, again, that kid that was always asking the whys. You know? Right. Uh, and, and to me, like that's being wrong. Like, having that off-season last time, it was just a complete disaster. Um, Why did it go poorly? Um, I just spent too much time in the ambiguous intake. And uh, for me, as uh, is, is wasteful as it seems like my body is, I, I just, I, I need to have a, a surplus that's pretty obvious. So I need to let that weight trend upwards and I need time. Um, so, so yeah, just, and I just gain muscle better. I think being at least one over 185.
0: Yeah, for sure. What are your calories getting up to in the off season? I know you're obviously you're known for high calories. So
1: yeah, uh, man, uh, there's, there hasn't been a day where I'm, I've been under four thousand, in like probably, man, at least three months. Yeah. yeah. Like you, usually the cheat days are like I'm just not eating today. Like, we're just yeah. Right. Eating, right. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. right. It's um, yeah. What you said about keeping the gains is obviously important, especially from a competitor standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, this last cut I did, it probably was one of the best I've looked and one of the best cuts I've ever had. I, I wonder if um, you know. I know some people like to keep the volume quite high when dieting. I was eating very low calories. I mean, at you know 185 pound, active male. Well, not that active. Um, I mean, I had many days in like the 1,500 calorie range, and to the point no where no one would, wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that, but that's just how it is, man. Right? That's exactly. A, yeah. Yeah, and and Eric and I talked about that too because um, you know he's a little bit heavier than I am, but you know similar height, and I think. Especially in this industry, people want to say, like, "Oh, wow! Look, this person got shredded on 2,000 plus calories." And it's like, dude, if you're getting contest lean, you're mm-hmm. gonna have some low calories. I mean, you yep. you might be an exception, Alberto, but you know most people, they're just gonna have to accept they have to go really low. But part of the reason I, I had to go so low is because I really was doing I actually minimal cardio, and again, I mentioned I, I was doing three workouts a week with minimal volume, and so. You know, calories got to come from either activity or diet, and usually diet is a, a more effective way to do it, um, so it, it did get quite low. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, perspective. But going back to the uh, retention of muscle gain, I don't think I got—when I looked at my peak at like 205, I really don't think that was any better of a 205 than in the past. In fact, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. You know, my measurements, my strength, everything was pretty much the same. But I did come in at probably the best 180 to 183 I've ever had and my strength, this whole cut, I was almost like surprising. Like I do the workout and I was like, how the hell did I just match last week's workout? Like I've been on 1,300 calories this week or something absurd like that um, and again, I, I don't know if it was maybe less stress or, or the low volume itself like so there was less physical stress. Um, but definitely just going to your point on the retention is a big part of it, too, if you're dieting down. You know what? And I think you just learn
1: to drive in those conditions a lot better with, with a few of these under your belt. You know, the first time it's 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 a little too much, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's especially for a lot of us coming off or like bigger bulks earlier in our training careers. Right. Right. To have your food taken away, and it's like, OK, start a fire with this. That is that that's going to take you a few rounds before you get the hang of it, man.
0: Right you mentioned that you really do see benefits to this, like an actual bulking phase and, and getting the calories up. Do you think that it would just be too counterproductive at this point to do another kind of mega bulk like you did back in the day? Ever consider trying that mm-hmm. again?
1: You know what? If I was a pure power lifter, I, I think I, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd pull a, a mini Bud Jeffries. I don't know if you follow Bud Jeffries on Instagram, but he's—it's it, a different kind of lifting. But no one enjoys lifting more than uh, than that guy. He's kind I'll of like you up. know Luke Luke Ellis, the the former bodybuilder.
0: Yeah,
1: um, kind of like him. But just it's, I'd, I'd probably if I was doing something like that, absolutely. But since you know when I did my Mega Bowl, I, I thought I might compete at a certain point, but I wasn't too sure. Mm-hmm. Um. But now, it it I think it'd be the equivalent of a powerlifter that's getting like really good at like eights on the squat. But it's like, but yeah. if you want to get good at this. It's like we're moving away from specificity, which, uh-huh. in this case, is is the body fat. Um, but I mean, I'm closing in on seeing a 200 pound weigh-in in the morning. The lowest weigh-in I saw during my last prep, I think, was a 156. Um, so
0: we're we're quite wow. heavy.
1: So I, I don't know if I could, if I need another five pounds. So.
0: Yeah, man, that, I mean, that's a pretty big, for some reason, I thought you competed closer to like 165, or I guess maybe that's like after you've refed and everything.
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, but I, once I get on the stage, I'm nearly 10 pounds heavier, so. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that, that's yeah, pretty yeah. significant.
0: Um, You know, just for the internet, what do you think your rough, uh, by internet standards, body fat percentage is at 200 pounds right now? Oh, it's got to be uh, approaching 20. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you can't know, but, imagine I mean, 20. Like, right. It's hard. to. And I think I don't know if your distribution is different because I remember seeing a picture of you years ago. You had a cap on and I'm pretty sure you said you were 200 and there were still like vascularity and abs and everything. Now, I don't know if that's still what you call 20 percent. Obviously, you know, if we're talking DEXA versus yeah. versus the Internet, you know. So to clear that up, I was weighing myself at night
1: during because that's the only way I did it. I was a young man and I, I, I got, couldn't. Yeah, I got a friend like <laughs> that. I, I, knew, I knew in the back of my mind, you know, it's like we weigh ourselves at the gym. Yeah, or okay. driving, no clothes
0: with the book <laughs> so bag on.
1: It was, it was probably more like one because I had it listed as one ninety six. It was it was probably a good ten pounds lighter than that to be honest. Okay.
0: Okay. No, I mean that is it's interesting to know because I. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a friend, Jimmy, in college. He was a beast. He still is a beast. But um, it was always like, oh, man, I'm 217. And it's like at night with clothes, just binge, you know. So <laughs> funny. Uh, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the amount of volume I was doing it and cardio and all of that. And something that I think is interesting is step counts have been really emphasized a lot more in the last, it seems like just a couple of years. And my step counts were also quite low. This kind mean, I really wasn't <laughs> moving a lot, but it seems like a lot of people are saying that now, like, you know, maintain 10,000 is kind of like a standard. Some people with 15,000. And part of me is like, okay, that makes sense that you want to keep moving. The other part of me is like, well, when we even look at dieting studies of like just a deficit versus a deficit and like legitimate cardio, mm-hmm. we don't see that much benefit to the real cardio and the mm-hmm. calories burned from walking a thousand steps is like nothing. I mean, it, it's just yeah. your your heart rate barely goes up. I mean, now if you're doing stairs like a step mill, then that's different. But just I mean, you know, when I was during when the quarantine first started, I started going on more walks and I was hitting 10,000 a decent amount. And I mean, you know, I would just basically walk around for an hour and a half or something. I I can't imagine I burned more than like 100 more calories than I would have. So it's almost like this contrast between this huge emphasis on steps now and kind of when you actually look at the numbers and the studies. So any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think what, and and this is something that I realized with myself, I realized with, with, with athletes is that once you've been dieting for a while, you just have less drive to move. And and this became very clear when people would send in their picture updates and you would, you know, the room started out neat. And then by the point time we've been dieting <laughs> for like 16 weeks, it's just a disaster. So mm-hmm. um, what I, I suspect happens with, with cardio is that, you know, you add more you know, to try to put the energy balance back in, in your favor. But then unknowingly, the athlete just moves less. Yeah. So I, I think what the step counts do is, I don't drive them up too crazy. It's just more so like, okay, what were you kind of getting in the offseason? Okay, about 5,000. Let's just make 7,000 our goal for, for good measure uh, because you're going to be getting lighter anyways. And we'll just hold it there. And as, as long as you know they keep up with that, it's like, hey, they're doing their yard work. Hey, they're like not parking as close as possible. Right. You, know? Um, you know, all those things, walk your dog, little things that I think um, – yeah I, I remember prepping like and giving my dogs like some cheap walks sometimes because I'm like, buddy, this is this is what I have today yeah. so um, so I think it helps regulate um, yeah yeah the the, the neat uh, a, a tiny bit obviously it's synthetic neat but uh, right. but it, it helps fight some of that to, and I've, I've seen just less plateaus when when using steps
0: yeah, it, it, that's what's interesting is like anecdotally people do seem to report benefits from it. Um, you know, you've mentioned that Trexler has mentioned that um, I know Steve Hall and able to you know, their own podcast. They've talked about how I think they were dieting down to very lean levels, but they were doing 15 to 20,000 steps. And it probably does that up. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, anecdotally, like I said, reports seem to indicate it's helpful versus when I think about the numbers, it doesn't make as much yeah. sense. But um, it, it was funny like when we first went into shutdowns, I went I was only doing like 5000 to begin with. And the reason I started going on these walks is I looked at my phone and I was like 2,000 steps a day for like a week. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like <laughs> literally just sitting here all day. Um, and it's funny, like, like you said, people just, your body, either consciously or subconsciously, you just start to become more resistant to doing things. Like the last two weeks of my diet, I didn't even get stuff done. Like I just was like... Put it on a list and like I'll do it when I'm done dieting. Like just like basic stuff. I was just like I'll call that person. I'll handle this like later. I just didn't have like the mental energy to do it. Yeah, uh, especially
1: physical stuff. You kind of quantify like you you, uh, you equate it to sets in the gym. You're like if I do that yard work, that's probably gonna <laughs> yeah. at least sabotage three three of my sets. You know, so it's... Yeah, no, it gets sticky man and, and thankfully we moved on from. Remember the time when it, there was cardio and then there was intervals were also very popular. Yeah. Um, so you had those things going up and, and you, you you know people would push those to some pretty extreme levels. Yeah. Um but you know outside of the gym, outside of the formal physical activities, like they were just slothing. Yeah. Like that was the issue. Yeah. Um,
0: and if you ever done intervals or you were part of that gen, you understand why. Oh, yeah. So I was, do you remember the name Craig Ballantine? Yes, 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 yes. He, yep. I would get emails. I actually just found like my old AOL account. <laughs> I still have like weekly emails from him on like the benefits of interval training. Um, yeah, they were huge when I was first getting into them. I, I was actually going to ask you if you incorporate them at all. I, I actually like them in the sense that I like to push myself. Um, I think if you're, not doing any high-intensity cardio, like, I mean, even just from a health standpoint, I think there's benefits. But to be fair, if you're doing high-volume workouts, you're getting a lot of those benefits anyway. Um, But yeah, I definitely not like, I mean, they used to be talked about, like, you know, doing like three full-on interval sessions every single week, which I don't think is is probably optimal in the context of somebody who's like, you know, also doing maybe two heavy leg workouts a week or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know people do their intervals multiple times a week. Uh, underfed yeah. much less body fat than what their body would like and, and yeah so man we we were definitely the experimental generation and I think steps that's probably the one thing about them is like hey they they really don't tap into your recovery all that much mm-hmm. um, unless you're going like super hard with that which which I have seen as well
0: yeah yeah I mean and just not to harp on the steps too much but I think a lot of us would agree that we don't find it too productive to say like, hey, you know, an hour or two on the bike of lists every week, like most of us have kind of, a lot of us have experimented with that and found that like, yeah, if I'm just doing this low intensity biking, it's it's not really helping that much. But yeah, again, how is that that different than steps? And it's, I I don't know. Again, anecdotally, like I said, it's just interesting because that it sounds like it's similar. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that if you've ever done like really long bouts of just like, low intensity biking or something like that
1: yeah yeah you know what steps do is is they kind of do leak into other parts of your life so usually what i do when i'm training is i'll have my set and then i'll go walk to the water fountain slowly so that i can (laughs) you know not jump in there too early um so they again it's just and then you know like i would figure out ways to, to just sneak him in throughout the whole day when I was using the step string during my last prep right so it actually becomes a good habit at the end I feel
0: because yeah. I
1: think most of us don't get up nearly enough and um, and, and and yeah like I think it's it's just it spreads out through, throughout your your whole day so those moments I mean, where hey you scene. know yeah you would have gone. You would have gone to go pick up your groceries, like via yeah, one of those services where they bring them to you in the parking lot. But since, you know, since right. you got steps, you go in there and, and you're gonna do your thing. So, right. I think it's been an overall positive thing, and and it seems to work. That's yeah. that's for sure.
0: I agree. Um, are you doing? Because I've been talking to a few people recently about refeeds, and it's funny. Like when I first heard about somebody not doing refeeds, I was shocked because I, you know, if we go back to that like generation, you know, 15 years ago, that's, I mean, the first article I remember reading, if you know, Tom Benuto, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, how to get like how these bodybuilders get contest lean. And it was a lot of cardio, but it was also uh, carb cycling. That was how it was first introduced to me. Mm -hmm. And then there was like skip loading, shit loading, cheat days, there was like every, you know, variation out there. But I have always incorporated some type of refeed And recently, I've actually been hearing about a couple of people not doing any, which was probably actually more the norm, like, you know, a Mm -hmm. few generations ago, like all the hardcore bodybuilders never had any refeeds. Um, And now, more popular are diet breaks, it seems, which I incorporated quite a lot of in this. I did more diet breaks this uh, cut than ever, whether it was like three days at maintenance or even I had done three weeks at maintenance at one point. Um, So are you leaning more towards the diet breaks at this point, just one day refeeds or not much of either? So, you know, with, with the no-refeeds, I think some people can
1: get away with it, especially if we're talking about, you know, it's an off-season cleanup, right? We're trying yeah. to, you know, um, yeah, trim off the edges a little bit after a, a good gaining phase. I think especially there's a, there's a group of men that for sure can get away with that. But there's yeah. also some folks that legitimately, is like within, seems like, 7, 10 days, like their bodies like know something is up. And uh, with those folks, you, you might want to consider... Yeah, using refeeds, even if they're small refeeds and they're less frequent, but I, I do think they there's there is a population where uh, they have merit, regardless of uh, what sort of fat loss phase it is. But at the same time, I'm not pro. Like when I do a mini cut, especially since you know i gonna come from a full house state, I typically will refeed until I I feel like I, I won't refeed until I until I need it. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and. It's just there's just so many I guess things that go into that because so here's another one it's it's even if you are one of those folks who can get away with it it's like let's just talk performance for a bit right it's like you know especially if you're pushing you know pretty close to your ceiling you're beyond a mid level intermediate um, would it hurt you to slow down your fat loss phase by a handful of days by the end of it if if you're you're getting better performance I think it's absolutely worth it I'll gladly tack on. Uh, two weeks to a seven week fat loss phase if it means that you know what i was able to come out with uh, you know most
0: of my muscle and, and and performance like still intact in those cases are you just kind of assessing it as you go like if you look at your clients it's like okay putting you in a deficit no clear plan as far as when we're going to refeed and then based on how they're feeling you do it yeah so
1: if uh some people I just I've I've worked with them long enough where I just kind of know oh, this is not going to work with you, yeah. Um, and then there's other folks where it's like yo you could probably go near, near a near month without seeing a refeed and you'll be absolutely fine. And then we can get back to what it is that we really want to get to, and that's 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 the gaining. Um, but um, but yeah, you look at trends, and and then when performance trends are very off relative to what's going on in the off season, that's when you kind of step in and you know. Take I guess a diet deload of sorts, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, again, same thing. It's like I don't want to get too trigger happy with it either, uh, especially if I feel like this person can benefit from slightly more um, a more accelerated pace of fat loss coming coming out the gates. Because you know, quite often it's just people aren't allocating their calories correctly. Yeah, you know, Uh, they might be hoarding at night because uh, I think. I have kind of did that to all of us to, to some extent, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, no, generally, I'm still a huge fan of refeeds. Um, I, I think the leaner you are, the more you should at least consider them. And the, the more advanced you are, um, you know, even if, if you don't think hormonally and metabolically, it, it makes that much of a difference with you. For the sake of performance, it might be something worth considering. Another variable you can play with it that can help expedite your recovery
0: and, and when you do them, this might just also be individual. But are you leaning towards—because it seems like we're, we're having less and less people in favor of these big single meals or even single mm-hmm. days. And it seems like metabolically and hormonally, those are less beneficial than maybe like smaller surplus, but for more days. So, are you also a part of that shift?
1: Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Because it's like think about the the post workout window, right? Like how, how that was. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, yo, bro, one meal's not going to fix anything. Cause go have your protein shake, go do that same chest workout, like mm-hmm. right. Two hours later, you're not recovered, homie. Like it's it's it doesn't have that much power. So when it comes to especially recovery, which is is compromised when when you're in a hypocaloric state, um, you're going to need a few meals. You know, most likely a few days to kind of help catch, catch, catch back up to what you need to be.
0: Yeah. And I think, it. I mean, part of it is, you know, and I've historically been one to like like the really big meals, but that's not because I think they're more effective. It's because mm-hmm. I just like to eat a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it can be hard if you're really far into a diet and, you know, let's say you're dieting on like 16, 1800 calories and you think, wow, I get to eat 2,500 for a week. Like that's not that, much more. Um, And I think a lot of people have experienced that from a willpower standpoint, sometimes it can be harder to restrain yourself when you're done a diet than when you're actually dieting because you feel like you're more just mitigating damage than really working towards a goal. Um, So that's, I I think, psychologically can be difficult for some people.
1: Yeah, most people get hungry during those uh, those refeed days and and during extended diet breaks, sometimes it just it gets worse. It's like it's almost like your body just kind of blunts your hunger a little bit because it's like mm-hmm. you know what, things are screwed up. Right. Why are we gonna complain about this? Yeah. But you know, you you get a little food in you, and then your body's like, "Hey dummy,
0: we're gonna die. You should yeah. probably eat
1: the rest of that mammoth."
0: Yeah. So my cravings were actually worse when I was earlier in the diet. I would say um, when I was probably yes. about two thirds of the way done, maybe halfway done. I had some crazy cravings that, uh, like, I'm not even a big chocolate fan, but I was dying for just, like, to, like, to pig out at, like, a chocolate store or something. It was bizarre. And then I got towards the end, and um, I would not recommend this to anybody, but I actually did a two-week experiment at a 1,000 calories, which uh, was a learning experience. It was kind of just experimentation. It was also one of those periods where I was shocked, like, how are my workouts not going worse? And I think I just... I think I just entered like a zombie mode, like <laughs> like I, I, I did get thyroid tested um, and it was below normal. Like I said, I, I wouldn't recommend people crash to that extent, but it was a learning learning experience for sure. But the the cravings for junk actually kind of went away. It was more like I'm so <laughs> dead. I just want to not feel like this. <laughs> but but it wasn't like give me a huge pizza or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, after after you've been through it a few times, it's like it's less about the food and you just you just want your energy back, man. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. So do you wouldn't? I mean, I guess you don't know when you would next compete, right? Because with everything going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, next year was was a possibility, but yeah. Yeah. I I just I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think one thing we will see is that a lot of shows, they're going to be moved down towards the fall and i think they're going to stay there and i think that that makes a lot more sense because you know most of the big shows in natural bodybuilding it's later in the year so to have you know like there're shows that i always want to do they're like in may june and it's like man i don't want to like live like this a whole yeah. year so so they'll probably push a lot of things towards the later part of the year so it will give me time to, to think about it but um yeah i need to start thinking about it now if that's the case because i i am a a bit overweight, but also I'm on a, like, I'm in the middle of a good, like, hot streak, and, uh, yeah. I, I've ended off seasons prematurely during a good hot streak, and, and it just, yeah, in yeah when you I'm get those out.
0: periods, you gotta utilize them, right?
1: Yeah, I, I feel healthy, things are moving, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, once you're on that train, it's, it's, it's the funnest part to
0: me still, to this day. For sure, yeah, and you're, I mean, you're still relatively young, are you low 30s? 37. okay so mid-upper 30s wow okay get up there man yeah (laughs) Yeah, no
1: yeah it's it's father time is is undefeated dude
0: yeah i didn't realize you were older than eric i guess you guys are pretty close though i'm a Um, i'm a month older oh he's 37 too yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: okay um i know a couple of you were trying to get on stage together i think was that supposed to be next year you know we 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 speak about that i think brad would be the hardest one to
1: to convince yeah, um, but that would be nice because you know I think that's, I mean that's that's how I remember bodybuilding. It was is you get to meet a whole lot of people, people who I've met. Man, like time flies. Like, man, like thirteen years ago, fourteen years ago. Like I, I'm still uh. friends with him, like to this day. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I think it'd be be a great bro celebration for sure. But hey, getting everyone to hey, do you want to commit to like six months of not eating? Right. Um, uh, a little
0: mildly intrusive, I guess, right? I think, yeah, I mean, for sure. And I think, um, I probably talked with Eric, but a couple of people about this is, I, you know, if you're going to get contest lean, which like to be clear, I was not contest lean. But if you are, I think you definitely need a why and you need a reason. And, and that is a good one for you guys mm-hmm. because
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's just a point where I think it, there is obviously the emotional and psychological aspect where you start to tell yourself and convince yourself like it's not worth it. But then I also think there is a legitimate objective part of you that will say, no, this really isn't worth it. Like yeah, if you yeah. don't have a specific why of like, you know, let's all get on stage together and compete. It's like you, you almost forget about it. You, you never completely forget. But when you're bulking up, it's, it's easy to kind of forget about what it's like to be months into a diet and really and then once you get back there, you're like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> why am I doing this again? And you, you need a reason. If you
1: really, yeah, if you really try to fortify that argument and, and, you know, name all the reasons why just for said individual specifically, maybe competing is not the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. The only way I think you could flop uh, that over is, is if you have some really good wise, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's why I'm glad that I think now more than ever, we talk a little bit more about all the negative things that, 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 happen that potentially will happen to, to someone if, if they decide to, to die to those levels of, of leanness. Whereas, you know, I think back in, the I don't know what it was, but I think part of it was um, we just, you know, bodybuilding gets enough flack, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like from the outside, like, it's like, oh, y'all are narcissistic, y'all are dumb meatheads, you know, right? So to admit that there's uh, some sort of risk involved with, with your sport, um, we just didn't want another thing thrown on top of that. I feel, yeah, you know. Sure. Um, but when you think about it, it's like yo. Know, every competitive sport, like that's why I didn't do high school football. It took me a few hits to realize, like, no, I'm, I'm gonna need my head for the rest of my life. I am, yeah. I am, I am completely okay doing track and running from point A to point A. Like I am right. fine with that. Yeah. So with uh, with this, I think now that there's more open dialogue about all the all the things that come with contest prep dieting. Um, it's, I think it's it saved people a lot of trouble because it used to be just something that hey if you got a gym membership uh, it's kind of on uh, it, it should be on your bucket list maybe you know yeah right um, right and, yeah. I, and I, I don't think that's 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 the case kind of kind of in the same light with uh, um, you know I'm, I'm very pro-choice when it comes to drugs but I, I think I think now more than ever it's it's gotten to the point where it's like ah, it's just something you do it's kind of like if you go out you drink with your buddies it's like yeah, who's the guy yeah. that is here at the bar and is not you know so yeah again it's uh I'm glad we can have discussions about you know like drugs about like hey what's most likely gonna happen to you if you contest prep so that the individual can make the decision that's that's best for them um but yeah there's some years where that why
0: is just not strong enough even yeah. even for me you know yeah yeah for sure uh, I'm curious having done it for so long now because that's you know, I think the psychology of it is is more interesting to me at this point because again, after 15 years, like I I know, you know, this is kind of what I've got and and maybe there are these refinements, but I I realize that obviously like the bulk of the progress, you know, 99% of it's done. So I know for you, you kind of had that personality of like, you know, I I have to have something I'm striving for and I do too. I just think for me it might, I'm always figuring it out. You know, I think, um, I don't know if you remember, but I've had some significant health issues in my life too. And so for me, that's a big part of it. Like there are things I just physically can't do anymore. Um, Like I can't say, well, I'm going to hit a deadlift lifetime PR. Like I just, I can't like strain myself like that anymore. So I'm still kind of in the process of figuring out things like that. Uh, But for you, like how is your training now compared to maybe even like five years ago, like you were saying, this is a really good off season. So Mm -hmm. I assume you're not dramatically stronger than you were in the past, or dramatically bigger. So, what is it that's making this such a good off season for you? And what do you think you're going to see out of it once you eventually get back on stage? Mm.
1: Um, I think I've just I've mastered a lot of things that, whether you know it or not, as a bodybuilder, you're you're trying to master. You know, um, I think, namely, getting out of your own way. Like I've gotten um, pretty pretty good at that. Um, so to me, it's like when I go in there and I do my thing, it's, um, if you're a purist, right, it's, it's one of those things where you just really have to have an eye for this thing. Like if someone were to see me lift, they know what the, they're doing, like beginning to end. I think they would be like, wow, like this dude, this is, this is obviously someone who's been doing this for a long, long time. Um, so that's to tooting my own horn, but I get in there and I just enjoy the fact that I am here you know? Sure. Um, and, and it took lots of being wrong to get here. And I guess every time I've, I've thought like, bodybuilding was a great way to learn just this, this this life lesson was every time I thought, there was many, many times where I thought, like, you know what? I have this down. This is just how it is. Uh, all the rest of you guys are just nuts. Like, that's, <laughs> that's your camp. That's your camp. We're in the right. Um, I've been humbled by it. So, I look forward to that, to, like, finding out something completely, like, new and, and, and changing the way I do things and continuing to, to evolve. So, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm just so grateful that I get to do it still at a really high level and, and that, I guess you could say I'm at my peak when it comes to this. It's like, hey, late 30s all the way to, like, mid 40s, you know, that's you know, for most bodybuilders, that's going to be where, you know, everything is, is, is running as smoothly as, as, as it ever will. So yeah. it's like, I'm there and I'm going to enjoy the, the hell out of this, this moment. Cause it won't always be this way. Again, you just never know either.
0: So right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that mindset because, you know, I'll be the first one to say uh, in private and also on like publicly on like the podcast and in my own videos that I wouldn't say like i mock it but i i often point out how it's a trend in bodybuilding to see guys who've been doing this for 20 30 years who will say you know this is my best package i've made so much progress and they say that year after year after year and it's like man like maybe there's something going on that i'm not seeing but you look mostly the same Mm -hmm. um but having said that when i talk to guys like you and eric and jeff and, and people who've been doing this a long time it's never it's never that like you guys are saying I put on five pounds of muscle since last year and I did it again the year before that. Like that's not what you're saying. You know, you guys are talking about like it's what I've learned this year. It's like I've I succeeded and progressed because I was able to handle like my family affairs better this year. Mm-hmm. I came in slightly leaner this year, you know, whatever. Like maybe I was actually even lighter than my last competition, but that's because I was able to get a little bit leaner, et cetera. And that's the kind of stuff i can appreciate because i think if you're doing this I and mean, nobody can do this at 15 plus years for the physical progress alone that they're making you know it, unless they're really in my opinion delusional or we're just doing things wrong for a while you know i, I yeah. think um and I don't, I don't mean to be like negative there it's just that at some point it's something I, I talk with jacob skeptis about too it's it's like you know the first five ten years you're most of us are largely doing it because the physical progress we're seeing Maybe 10 to 15 years, even. But at some point, like that, that, you know, going back to the why, that can't be your why anymore. That it's just a physical progress because you'll drop out, you know. And it seems like everybody I talk to, I mean, even like this podcast has provided me motivation getting to talk to you and, and like I said, the whole 3DMJ crew and, and everybody else who's been doing this because it, kind of reinvigorates that passion when you get to talk to people who are so passionate. Like, I wanna to go to the gym right now. <laughs> and and it, it's nice to have that because it can be hard. And I think that's probably why you're you know you, you're friends with people from 13 years ago. Some of my closest friends and people I talk to the most are still my gym bros because you, you kind of feed off each other. And I think uh, that that's really important. I think it's hard to do this all by yourself for so long. And I think it's hard to do this without the right psychology for so long. Yeah, no, there's so many other things you get from this outside of just the the physical gains.
1: Um, absolutely. And, man, I think Lane said this a while back. You know, similar question was, was given to him and about, you know, would would you train if, if um, you know, basically you were told you couldn't make any more progress and train just as hard? And he said yes. And it's, it's just at a certain point you just know almost no other way of life. Like, I, I don't see myself... I can't see myself like never like Yeah, I'll pull a Ronnie Coleman. Like if if shrugs is all I can do and curls, like that's, that's what we're going to roll with. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to explain if you're not into, if you're not like in, in this, like just all the other things you get that you Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily, you didn't sign up for. And I think we all get slightly different things as well, because we all have different things that we're trying to work on as a person. Um, And there's, you know, there's things that bodybuilding taught Eric that, you know that that's that's what he got from it, and then there's things that I got from bodybuilding that you know I, I thought I was just gonna get you know biceps with veins, but right, right. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's 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 so awesome in that way. It's such a great not that this should be your only source, but it's a it's a great teacher
0: for sure for life. Definitely, and I think um, yeah, like there was when we first shut down everything. I was still waiting to get like some equipment. And I didn't go to the gym. I basically took like two weeks completely off and I wasn't working. And that was like a Mm -hmm. bad storm. You know, I'm not one who's prone to anxiety or depression, thankfully. But after two weeks of very little movement and no working, so you kind of have like, what's your sense of purpose there? Mm -hmm. Um, That was that was tough. And I remember thinking, like, I can't imagine not having this as a part of my life. Like, I I really can't imagine it. Like, what? What would that life be like? And to think that there are so many people who don't have it, I just – it's like, damn, like how much could you benefit, you know? No, right there with you, man. I'm like, what do – I have that little segment of the day that I kind of
1: love-hate at this point, but I get yeah. to do it.
0: Yeah. And right. once
1: I'm done, I just feel kind of like recentered and regrouped. Yeah. So, man, did it save my butt during that lockdown.
0: Have you ever – this sounds sadistic, but its it's – I don't know – where this comes from in me but there was almost a part of me where so again not like to harp on it but you know with with some of my health issues I've had periods of pretty chronic pain and there have been times where I've been in the gym and I was doing like a super high rep calf raise and every so I was doing a five second eccentric and then every rep was holding the stretch for like 10 seconds and it was just like Mm -hmm. a brutal like five minute set and I, it's, it sounds probably nuts to anybody who doesn't work out and maybe even to a lot of people who do work out, but there was part of me that was like, like, I'm the one causing myself this pain and like, I get to do this. Like I'm, I'm choosing to go through this suffering, but like, I'm the one, it's not, you know, nobody's putting me in pain. It's not my body. doing. Like I'm choosing this and I get to choose to do this and come here and like, I have the ability I'm, I'm ambulatory. I can come to the gym and choose to put myself through this. And it, it sounds weird, but I kind of had an appreciation for it. I don't know if you've ever had anything like that. Yeah. Um,
1: so I, I used to run the 400 and mm. one, like one of the, uh, it's, 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 I mean, obviously I was a teenager. So like, take it with a grain of salt because we're all going through th- things at, at that age. Yeah. But I remember it just... I'm like, I, I was I, w- I would ask myself, like, I wonder if I could physically kill myself from running. <laughs> like, literally. I was like, do I have that in me? Am I that kind of dog? You know? Yeah. Because, uh, like, uh, like, you know, dogs, horses, like, a lot of those... I and mean, we all have that in, as, as in humans, you know? Yeah. We all have that, that fight or flight. Um, I'm just like, I, I wonder if, like... um. Haven't been softened up so much that I can do that. So, yeah. I, so I would run that way where it's like I'll be a freaking legend. And to an extent, with a weightlifting, like I've always been curious. Like I, I like this is my thing. Like, I think maybe twice a month I'll have a few sets where it's just about it's it's. They're sets that are kind of more on the intensive side of things. So usually higher rep work, mm-hmm. and I'll just think of something dumb towards the end of a like. Yeah, because it usually peaks out around around a month my, my training blocks And um, and I'm like, you know what? Like I wonder how much pain I can take just cuz yeah. I think it's something it's good for you to put yourself through that and and again to appreciate it also from from the angle you just mentioned, um, it's it's, a, it, it's it's I think it's a good trait like to learn to tolerate discomfort. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, like there's certain things like on purpose like within the way I have my own house setup where it's like it's there so that I don't get too comfortable like I wanted to put a TV like right in the front of like my bed okay and I'm like no 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 no," because that's that's just way too (laughs) comfortable it's like if you want to watch TV you go then you do your thing there you know so um, so
0: again like bodybuilding is training for for a lot of things totally well, we got we got pretty deep there. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate these con- conversations. Uh, they're motivating. I think they're, they're certainly helpful for me. They're enjoyable and hopefully helpful for a lot of other people.
1: I, I live in Colorado and I have a tie-dye shirt, man. What did what did you expect today?
0: Which, <laughs> no,
1: no, no, we we didn't talk before getting on here. Um, right. <laughs> but um, but no, I appreciate it, man. And I, I love the the work you do. It's uh, you know obviously I'm a fan of our own podcast, but yourself and the Revive, I think. Uh, yeah, you guys do a good job in, in just getting what we want to get out of the person that you have on there, uh, which I think is—I mean—you have probably seen yourself improve from beginning to end. Yeah. In regards, yeah. Uh, you know, how you facilitate that. So, so we all appreciate it on, on our
0: side. Awesome. I, I really appreciate that, man. Where can people find more of your stuff?
1: 3D Muscle Journey, and we're, we're, we're on fire. You know, you know how it goes? It's like you're chilling, chilling. It's like, all right, boys, let's get to work. So we're getting to work. 3DMuscleJourney.com. We have a YouTube channel and all of the coaches, uh, virtually all of us. You, you can find us roaming on, on Instagram. That's where we're most active. So, hey, yeah, what is it, 10 years strong? Something like that. Um,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Well, yeah. cool. thanks again.
1: Hey, no, no problem. My pleasure, dude.